0: So this uh was published today in uh, delaware online Meredith Newman Meredith Shout out by the way, she wrote a great story about um people in care homes and nursing homes um and how the people that are the, the companies that are uh, tasked with taking care of your nan and your and your granddad um I don't think they're they're really cutting it, but anyway, shout out to her for that. <coughs> Tick-tock, clock starts for governor to make decision about legalizing weed in Delaware. In the coming days, Governor John Carney will decide if he will once again veto a bill that that would legalize marijuana or if he will allow it to become law in Delaware. A Carney spokeswoman confirmed Thursday the bill has been released to the governor's office but did not immediately say when that occurred. She also declined to comment on if Carney will sign or veto the legislation. Because the General Assembly is in session, Carney has 10 days, this does not include Sundays, nice little relic to a bygone era, uh, to take action. The clock starts when the bill is released to his office, which we don't know when that happened. Keep that in mind, that was a little subnote. He has three options. He can sign it, he can veto it, or he cannot sign it and let the bill become law without his signature. Does this sound familiar? Delaware has been in this position before.
1: Oh baby, it's not to leave
0: alive, to leave Comrades and friends, hello. Um, we're in the Shadow Rockford Tower behind enemy lines. We're in the belly of the Delaware Way Beast. Uh, Rob is here, and uh, after that cold open, I'm going to light this one for John. Just nobody that I'm, no matter what you do, I'm still laughing at you. Um, and occasionally coughing. Occasionally there's a small cough, yes, <laughs> that's true. Bill, Carl, as you guys know, there's another big show trial going on. It's just getting ready to go. And we're going to have to do it again. We're going to have to go back out there and, uh, and watch the Watchers, as they say. Um, and a perfect person um, to do that with is somebody who's, who's also a court watcher, an attorney, and, uh, and a writer for a, uh, a fairly popular legal journal now, uh, Chancery Daily, and a very funny uh, Twitter account as well, Chance from Chancery Daily. Thank you for joining us.
1: Hey, it's good to be here. Cool.
0: Um, so the, fir- the first thing I want to lay out is I, f- I found out when we spoke yesterday that... Um, we both sort of didn't have a lot of interest in following through with this, uh, with this show trial. Um, I was sort of talked into it by a friend of mine, Lex Wilson. As I said, he he proposed, you know, a, a, a meeting uh, of Lou Dobbs in the subway, of in the basement of the courthouse, and and it just seemed intriguing. Um, so we're doing it. But I know you, it's not something that you would necessarily follow either, is it?
1: Yeah, no, it's really like just adjacent to most of our. Well, it recently just entered my wheelhouse fully in the last couple of days when there was a suit that was brought derivatively on behalf of Fox Corporation by a a stockholder, because now there's also a sort of parallel suit in the court of Chancery, which brings it squarely within my jurisdiction, so to speak. So I'm not going, I mean, I was officially no longer able to ignore it. Um, We also cover the Superior Court, but we mostly cover the Uh, Complex commercial litigation division, which this case is not part of. Although we do cover defamation cases, we mostly cover defamation when it's between two companies that are like defaming each other in a business sense, where one company is saying, Oh, you're terrible at your job because they're competitors. So, you know, there's a lot of like famous, I don't know, home builder companies that defame each other and then they get, uh, they're just trying to basically take take business away from one another. This is a very weird, much more like First Amendment uh invoking case where yeah, it's just it's a very different vibe and it's got all the political aspect. I mean it couldn't be more highly charged politically and all of like I told you the other day, all of my mute words on Twitter are involved in this case. Like all of the things, all of the issues that I try really hard to to uh to stay away from are being brought to the surface here but you know i actually spent the day really diving into this one and uh it actually turns out i mean i'm always inevitably when i dive into any legal matter it gets super interesting really fast so it turns out just like everything else this is this is really interesting um i'm like so chock full of things to say about it now uh, that i've gotten that i've done the deep dive on it i don't even you know you can guide me where you want to go to begin, but there's, it's going to be fascinating. I mean, just, I found out today so many things. So because it's not squarely in my wheelhouse, first of all, being a really mainly court of chancery oriented person, I mean, I'm obsessed with the court of chancery, like I said, because some corporate law cases and commercial litigation stuff has to go to the superior court for various reasons. We do cover superior court stuff, but We mainly do everything under bench trials. So always covering jury trials is a hoot for me because I'm just like, what is even going on? Like, but jury trials are madness. They're like in talk about a circus. This is like the perfect circus. Um, I just found out today. I sound like such an ingenue in so many ways talking about this case because I'm like, what? But this is going to be a six-week trial? I mean, my God, six weeks? Yeah, uh, that's wild. So I'm yeah. just like, well, I can't even imagine.
0: Well, I guess we'll kind of start at the beginning. Um, By the way, we're talking about
2: Dominion Voting Systems versus <laughs> News. right Fox corporation <laughs> at al yeah. uh, I, I don't Fox think we Co- said that Fox
0: Corp. <laughs> yeah
2: um
0: yeah so let's start at the beginning this is perfect perfect way so you you talk about having certain um vibes uh, i can tell you i went to voir dire, i went to the jury selection for about half a day today and the vibes were very bad um for a number of reasons um i, I think what i normally ha- did when when we've covered um, sort of legal matters like this is sort of um, sort of set the scene. I try to, and in this case, it'll really help because it'll give sort of Bill a, a sense of mise en scene, you know, like of what's happening so we know what we're getting into going every day. And I'll give a brief sort of setting and then we'll kind of dive into some of the legal matters um, as we get through them, the most interesting ones maybe. Um, so there was TV set up outside as soon as I got there at like 8.30. Um, the going through the metal detectors is a pain in the ass now. Because even if, you gotta, even if you're credentialed, you've got to take like, your, your, a nickel out of your pocket, your thing off, the whole, the whole nine yards. And then when you go upstairs, there's a metal detector and security outside the courtroom in the hallway. So it's a big uh, to-do. Uh, today, as I was mentioning earlier, I didn't know anything about the case. Lex was telling me, you know, all the, all the attorneys sign off on all of the motions that they make and yada yada. Yeah, there was probably 20 attorneys and 20 media. There was probably, you know, equal number if you told me there was more attorneys i would believe you you know it was like that so it was it was weird already the vibe was very strange um
1: right and that courtroom isn't 70 isn't the, i mean that's the nicest courtroom it's lovely but it's not very big and uh, with that many attorneys like is weren't weren't you feeling like holy heck this is only for dire, and like it's already quite a small space
0: well yeah i mean it's hard it's hard to say so i we covered the the Kathy McGinnis trial in Dover, right? Tiny, right, tiny, right. Tiny, tiny courtroom. Right.
1: Well, that, we, that's that's we fair. We were it's bigger, bigger we, than that.
0: <laughs> we were packed. We were packed in there. Uh, now yeah, we did have the well. sentencing in a big courtroom. We did this, 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 uh, and then I just covered uh, for a day and a half with Lex the trial of the the cop who changed the barrel of his gun and all that. But that was in a, like a medium sized courtroom. But there was nobody there. It was just Lex and me, basically. Um. This one, this courtroom is is pretty big, but it was probably half full just today with attorneys and press.
1: Yeah, and I don't really think that like I don't think even a fraction of the press were there today. I don't think anyone like I, I think, I think so few of the people that are coming from the national press were there today.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely had a feel for like this is like a little warm up. Like I know like. Sean O'Sullivan was coordinating and, and, and doing this thing, doing what he does. And, it, yeah, it just seemed like a, like a warm-up. Um, the only other thing I'll say about the scene uh, publicly is that Carl Baker is, is there covering for, uh, uh, for NPR and, and with Folk and Flick, and he's the one who's there. And his thing was, so once, once they got the first pool of jurors and the judge went down with the attorneys to start going through the first pool... You're just sitting in the courtroom with like two thirds of the attorneys and all the press just milling around, and so Carl Baker, every time somebody would walk in, would just whisper to somebody, "Did you hear about the settlement?" They'd be like, "What in this case settlement?" And so every time he would do this joke, he did it like four times. He would just be like, "Hey, did you hear about the settlement?" And people would like look around, "What? What does he? What does he know?" You know, it was it was great. So when I walked out, I I did it to him when we walked out, and everybody whipped their head around. Um, <clears throat> so that was that was well done by Kay Baker. Thank you. Yeah, so it sounds like, and I think this is out now, it does sound like they're getting through the jury pools rather quickly. I I was there for the first one, and they had maybe two-thirds of the people um, say that they potentially knew, whatever the question was in Voidir, but they were very confident. They were immediately, the court was immediately confident that it was going to be a quick, that it seemed like the the two days was going to be not necessary. So that was the only thing. Yeah,
1: they're done. They're totally done. They're not even reconvening tomorrow.
0: Yeah, so they have twelve and twelve, right? Twelve and twelve
1: alternates. I mean, they haven't. So they haven't picked. They haven't done the final striking, but they'll do that. So they'll re- They'll they'll bring the final pool back Monday morning. Now and then they don't. They didn't want to impanel them over the weekend. They'll bring them back. They'll bring everyone back Monday morning. They will do their strikes, and then they will pick twelve and twelve. So which is crazy for anyone who doesn't, you know, normally follow even I know this, I mean, I'm not, not a jury trial follower, but like, I know normally you have like two alternates, right? If, right? And sometimes it's more for a high profile trial, I guess with COVID. I mean, it makes perfect sense to me. I don't, I don't, I don't question judge Davis's decision at all. I think it's definitely the right thing to do, um, but he's taking 12 alternates. So you got 24 jurors and paneled um, and he's taking them Monday morning. That way, he doesn't lose anyone over the weekend. He has a full 24 that he starts out with on Monday morning, and then they go straight into opening arguments.
0: Yeah, so before before we get to some of the finer points and some of the things that have come up, I think, Bill, do you want to give— you gave a really good, like, three-minute version of this case just basically saying, you know, Fox News got caught up in this story uh, that they were telling that now— you know, Dominion is going to try to make the case that they're, they were, they have, they were harmed by this stuff that they knew wasn't true about their voting machines that they were perpetuating on, on Fox news. Um, before we get into, I mean, is that, that for the layperson is probably a good way to, to describe it.
2: Yeah. Derek. Yeah. And I, I may editorialize just a tiny bit here too, but and chance, feel free to jump in if I misstate anything, but, um, You know, I think this Dominion Fox case is interesting because it is a, like you said, it's a rather unique defamation matter. Um, You know, you may see two competitors maybe be in a a dispute like this, where one competitor has said something defamatory about someone else, you know, it would affect their bottom line. Here, it's Dominion pleading that the the criticisms that they received from Fox over and over again after the steal uh, in 2020... Um, they contributed to to Dominion's uh, likelihood of you know, securing additional voter voting machine contracts throughout the country. Um, and I guess we're at a point now as well where in preliminary motions, uh, Judge Davis has already determined, you know, he's, he's ruled on a pretty crucial uh, element of defamation here, which is the falsity of the statements uh, at issue. Um, So I believe that's information that's like not going to reach the jury. Chance, is it fair to assume that like that is just a foregone conclusion? And the way that the the jury trial will proceed is that we're going to go to the intent behind Fox News's publication. It's that the malice standard that's at issue here, right?
1: It's pretty fascinating. Yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, there's a couple of elements that are so there's a couple of things that are going to the jury. But falsity is not one of them. Every there's there's a instruction in, in the jury instructions that says each of the 20 statements in your jury notebook is false. By the way, it's a jury notebook and wow. it is a notebook and it is like it, it is a six weeks worth of homework notebook. I mean, I, I made a joke uh I covered the I know it's way outside of you all's coverage, but I covered the Elon Musk trial in the Northern District of California. And it was the only you know recent jury trial that I've even paid any attention to. And there was a really big spreadsheet in that case for the jury. And I made a lot of fun of it because I thought it was a terrible idea because you usually want to give the jury like the last like eight billion dollar verdict or some ridiculous verdict that. That i've seen in a in like a tort case there was just a single line for the jury to fill in you know you want to simplify these things for the jury you want the jury to just literally be able to write a big number like in a blank spot and so i made a lot of fun of this spreadsheet well i made also a lot of fun of like saying they better not bring any spreadsheets to delaware because i'll be big mad if they bring spreadsheets to delaware well you're big mess I just printed this jury instructions and I have bad news because uh-huh. there is a big spreadsheet in the jury instructions. Oh, yeah. So um it's fascinating, actually. I mean, I get there's no choice, I guess. They they have to do all of this rigmarole as to every single statement. They have to they have to prove by a fair preponderance of credible evidence as to each defense and each like so there it gets really in the weeds here but like so they they don't have to deal with falsity thank god i mean there's at least one thing they don't have to they, they the judge has said that these things are false they they don't have to deal with whether or not it's defamation per se the hmm. statements are defamatory they were they 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 meet the standard for defamation They meet the standard for being of and concerning dominion, which, like, obviously, but that is actually a factor that they would have otherwise had to prove. They also don't get to assert certain defenses. Um, They don't get to say it was newsworthy, so that's why we were saying it. They don't get to say uh, we were just doing good faith, disinterested reporting of what other people were saying. They don't get to use that defense. They don't get to say they were reporting on... Uh, like governmental proceedings or court cases or anything. They don't get to use any of those defenses. However, they do have to decide the issue of, quote, actual malice, which is the absolute worst legal term that was ever coined because it means absolutely nothing like what any human person would ever think those two words means.
2: I don't know, it's pretty straightforward uh, to me, knowingly or with reckless disregard of abundant evidence of the truth. <laughs> come on, come on. Plan slash, day.
1: slash S, for that. slash S, yeah. <laughs> 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 I hope you have a slash S in there because, like, I mean, just thinking about the, you know, what always strikes me about jury trials is, like, it's so easy for lawyers and know, I don't know who your demographics are, your listening population, but like for lawyers, we just forget so quickly who you even I think I feel like trial lawyers even frequently forget who their juries are comprised of because people are just normal people who actually talk normal and say normal things like they don't talk like weirdos and, and say things like actual malice when they just mean they fucking knew that it was false or that they were just talking out their ass. Or they, 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 they 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 don't like people don't talk like this when that's not what they mean. They don't use words like actual. The, the worst part about the whole thing is that Dominion also has to try to prove damages, which is like, oh, well, so they could win and lose. This case has so many parallels with the Elon Musk case in Northern District of California. It's really kind of tweaking me out. But. They could win on liability and effectively lose on damages. They could basically get nominal damages here. And the worst part about it is that for damages, they have to prove (laughs) if they want to get punitive damages. It's decided under New York law, which is, you know, it gets so complicated. But Mm -hmm. what they have to prove under New York law to get punitives, which is how they could get like a significant amount of money without proving You know, otherwise it gets really complicated. They had to prove like that they actually lost real customers specifically because of these Fox News claims. But like what customers of Dominion were actually bothered by what some weirdo was saying on Fox News? I don't really know if any, you know, but if they could get punitives, then that would be potentially different. But to get punitives, they have to prove what is the standard? It's like it's another it's another type of malice but it's actually the thing that you would think that actual malice was if you were a normal person using actual normal words. It's other so malice. It's the other one. It's, oh, it's, it's common law, law malice. I'm yeah. sorry. It's oh. common law malice. So, so now they're going to have to talk to a jury about common law malice, which is the thing that you would think of was actual malice, but they can't confuse them about what actual malice is when actual malice is just knowing something or recklessly disregarding the, the 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 that you really don't care you know there's a discussion in the in the summary judgment motion where judge davis talks about the difference between not knowing if something is true versus being highly aware that it's probably false and it's like you know you could really like just trip out on this stuff well now just, i know like,
0: why there were 22 attorneys in the well
1: yeah. <laughs> i mean you could just they like each, you they just took
0: one statement and uh <laughs> went with it yeah i mean is it fair would it be fair to say um like as an as a uh a lay person like myself who's like understands what's going on but like which wants to break it down in my mind it sounds like the first part is you know fairly straightforward even though the definition of absolute malice is uh, is absolutely confusing um it, it seems like making saying those statements are false and being able to put context around how it was done well i think most people would be like yeah that that's bad but you know but now the the, the standard to prove that that costs anybody money is going to be is going
1: to be minor. Going to be super hard. And you know what? It's, I think, I mean, like any jury trial, it's really going to come down to how good the lawyers are and how good they are in front of the jury and like how effective they are. Just reducing this to a simple one or two effective points, like basically. So here's the other weird thing, which is totally like it, it goes to this whole like truthiness, post truth, whatever world that we live in now, which is there's also this defense in a, it's not an fi- not officially a defense in a legal sense but there's a way to, what one of if we have to prove actual malice which which one of the prongs of actual malice would be just that you knew it was false um y- the person who said the thing like Janine Pirro, has to you have to prove that Janine Pirro actually knew it was false or that she recklessly disregarded the truth of the thing? Well, Janine Pirro will get on the stand and talk crazy, right? She will convince Excuse you. Excuse me, she she's actually... the
2: honorable judge.
1: I'm sorry, that's... Piro. I'm, sorry, I'm <laughs> being very disrespectful. <laughs> um <laughs> you know what we do she, i have to she tell you
0: one thing we're known for is to keep it very respectful
1: <laughs> that that's true so uh <laughs>
0: i assume she, she's been disbarred is in she,
1: multiple is states, she genuinely though yeah i mean is that
0: accurate <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. allegations but again this is the kind of stuff that ropes me in this is why again uh you know meeting tucker carlson behind a dumpster for a cigarette uh, New Dobbs <laughs> because, buying an oversized chocolate chip cookie. Mm-hmm. Like right? these people are gonna, because because they're on they're yeah. they're they're doing the sh- they have to do the show. And the right, only right here's the here's the,
1: the yeah. list the list of people like Maria Bar Bar Bar
0: Barterama Cologne he was a Bartolo Cologne yeah. he pitched for Cleveland I think yeah yeah. 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 <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tucker Carlson, Lou Dobbs, Sean Hannity, Janine Pirro, the Honorable, Sidney Powell, the Disbarred, Rudy wow. Giuliani, also I think Disbarred, Mike Lindell, I mean, wow. allegedly, I should, right? I think there's um, a
0: better, of all the people that we might be no, able I'm to so, get back up to the studio, oh, I think Mike Lindell. Wait, wait,
1: wait. Is... Mike Lindell might not actually be on the witness list, but Paul Ryan, Paul Ryan uh, is on the witness list. Tucker uh, Carlson, Brett Baer, um Rupert Murdoch, Lachlan Murdoch, uh Viet Den, who is the chief uh, CLO and uh of Fox. Like this is just like a I mean, can you imagine these? I uh, I don't know have has anyone ever heard these have these people ever testified in a trial before? Like, uh I mean maybe, but I don't know if they've ever I, I've never like seen them in an alternate sort of persona, right? Like so they so do their thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, like like. They, like- You know Tucker Carlson and some of these like Talking Heads, Sean Hannity, and like they do their thing in a particular box. He's on list, yeah,
1: right, exactly. They
0: do their thing to a particular script, and and it's lit nice, and they have nice clothes on and big makeup and stuff. But like doing that in the doing that to the jury, like from like fifteen feet away, like does that does that have the same? Does that bullshit like work hit the same?
1: Yeah, I really it'll be fascinating to to hear, you know, how it looks in, in under different lights, because like, you know, everything is so manicured in those studios. I mean, the whole thing is is really a show and none of it is. I mean, it all some of it actually comes off as kind of unscripted or, you know, uh, whatever. They're just like winging it. But but so much of it is actually highly manicured and 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 processed and like disnified. So it it'll be fascinating to see what happens when you strip all of that away. And when you put them in and you know some of these people are the ones that like when something happens in the studio that 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 like throws them off their game, they lose their absolute minds, right? They just they they like start throwing things because somebody dropped a a a, a pencil and it like threw them off their script. So to imagine them on cross-examination, it's the same thing like when Musk gets under cross-examination. He just turns into this absolute—he goes into these absolute weird personas that are so just trippy, bizarre, because he is so unused to being questioned in any way, right? These people are people who don't get called— into any kind of questioning they never get like there's all this evidence in the even in the summary judgment ruling where they talk about how oh no one was allowed to question or tell these people who they could put on their show or not put on their show like it's actually evidence in the case that fox corp couldn't tell or no one could tell these people whether or not they could put these crazy theories theorists whatever whoever was spouting these lies about dominion nobody could tell janine pierre don't put sydney powell on your show so it's like if if no one can tell janine pierre not to put sydney powell on the show then what's janine pierre gonna do never having been told no when she gets on the stand on cross-examination right she's gonna be like it's gonna be a whole new world
0: well i'll tell you what we have to time out these uh these Delta nine days. That, well, that could a be great, a Delta nine day. Well, that is
2: a great point. Yeah. Chance, I want to go back to something you said about, uh, I, I guess you were referencing like the classic, uh, like the Bill O'Reilly flip out, for example, the the effort yeah. will do it live. Yeah. I, so yeah. my, my prediction here, and this is, I'm probably over my skis a bit, but like some of the opinion personalities like Hannity or Tucker, I mean, I think they're going to try and cover their asses. They still have decades of career they could do. They could go to an OAN or like Newsmax or something. If, if Fox ultimately is like torched here, Rumble, we'll have a new Rumble. uh, but I feel like some of the life, I, but like Piro, she could be a soldier. I mean, she may get up there and just you know, uh, testify to best her ability, just and just you know, um, you know, just vouch for Fox as hard as she can. Um, and I imagine that some of like the officers of the corporation are going to do the same, but yeah, I, I don't know, I think that's like kind of the salacious, the attractive aspect of this case for everyone is the really embarrassing shit that the personalities have said over text and over email and yes dominion may have selected you know the more damning portions but they're still there and they're going to have to testify to those in person which is you're right i mean that's we've never seen them like that but we've never seen them squirm
1: i don't think so and also the other interesting thing that I, i would definitely have to think through it more just having really taken my first dive into this case but there is some mention in the summary judgment ruling about there's actually some discussion about the times at which the the positions of the hosts uh were either aligned or misaligned with the positions of fox corp and even even fox news and fox Corp's positions get misaligned at some points in this and then the hosts and fox news and fox Corp's they don't always like align so it's also there's also a lot of inter sort of corporate and then between the personalities and the corporations dynamics as to I don't know that they can all win in terms of how they play it. So like I don't even know that there's a clear shot for for some of these people to actually sort of have everybody win. like it almost might be that 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 somebody has to take the fall. And so I' I haven't thought through it really, but like what is the path for someone like Piro? What is her? being a soldier i don't know is it taking the fall or is it being the like i just totally believed all my bullshit like i'm not actually clear which is the path of what what being a soldier looks like this is also there is also like a fourth contingency right there's there's fox news network there's fox corp there's the personal interests of these people and then there's the public there's the trump well there's the public they're their their public, whoever supports them, which is sort of aligned with their personal interests. But then there's also just Trump and however Trump feels about it. And then Trump's entire base, which is sometimes aligned with their base and sometimes not. So they've got all these sort of different, you know, contingencies that they have to try to try to take a shot through, find the the line that goes through and does the least damage or something. I mean, I don't know that I would not six weeks. It's like, you know, they've they've got to figure out like in some ways, they're going to all be so distracted for so long because they've got to like pay attention to all of the other other testimony that goes on, and they've got to like—it's like, just it's such a
2: mess. Super quick anecdote though: we were talking about the jury a few minutes ago, so I have so much more respect for jurors as a result of a CLE that I went to this winter that Judge Davis actually presided over. It was like a mock trial on a Friday afternoon but with, a real, with real jurors that day. So the jurors were, were whittled down. There was a mock trial. It was like a personal injury case, blah, blah, blah. And then we got to participate and see how the jury deliberated. And I honestly thought that they were effing pulling our legs. Like they had like community theater actors there, but these were real people from the community. They had paid so much better attention to the nature of the trial and the proceedings than I had. Um, and I, I kind of, I, I know Judge Davis a tiny bit uh, out of the courtroom, but I so I mentioned him. I mentioned it to him afterwards, and he was like, "Yeah, you guys have no respect for them, do you?" Well,
0: here's what's funny. <laughs> we talked about it heavily when we when we went to the McGinnis trial, and it came up again uh, for the uh, the Jimmy McD- McDole. Jeremy, uh, no. The, um, uh, I know uh, the cop. The cop. Yeah, <laughs> the McCall. Irish cop. McCall. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Jimmy McCall. Is the juries came back in those cases? Now again, they're not as complicated as this, but some of them were, like the McGinnis one. The, the legal part of it got complicated because oh, yeah. it got very complicated. But they come back and they split the verdict. So it's like guilty on these things, but sort of like I think, especially the charges that are maybe felonies or you, the standard is higher. The juries seem to really you know c- consider that st- heavily. So. You know, I, I actually, from the experience, just in the last couple of years of us doing it, I think the juries have been very good.
1: You know, I hope so, and I, I don't doubt that they're that they're capable of it. I just, I also think that it's kind of insane what we are asking of these people, right? Like, we're making weeks. it as hard as oh, yeah. we pos- Oh, we're
0: making it as hard as we possibly can.
1: I mean, like six weeks—you're asking them to basically ignore now you're asking them to effectively ignore everything on social media you're i mean there's this video i watched it today it was like it's the superior courts you know how to be a juror like it's the video that they all had to watch this morning when they arrived for jury duty and it's like please do not you know participate on social media while you're a juror and it's it does like sort of admit you know it's president judge jan jordan jordan saying like we understand that you might have to still log on to social media to like check on your kid's soccer game or you know blah 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 but please do not obviously post about your experience as a juror or read anything about the case but like how can you reasonably be expected to log on to any social media during these six weeks and not see something about this case it's completely unrealistic in this environment especially this case like i i mean I just don't. I was, you know, talking to people today. It's like there's de- superior court has hasn't had a case of this. I mean, there was the what the guy millionaire dude who killed his uh be- put his wife in a box, buried her off yeah. the yeah Tommy, yeah
0: Tommy C. I mean,
1: that's really like the last you know sort of national spectacle trial but like that wasn't even i don't i don't even think that was comparable in in the sense well and it was in the 90s it was like there wasn't anything like this is about the media and it's a media hmm. it's a media spectacle yeah. like we're doing the same kind of twitter musk case where it's like about the media on the media it's going to be the most media frenzy hype kind of thing uh, i don't know i think it's going to be madness
0: yeah i mean it used to be like think of like show trials in the past you know it was probably h- hard to stay away from news of like the Lindbergh kidnapping or or, or oj mm-hmm. but but the way that you got your news and the way that you lived your life you you kind of could a little bit or you more reasonably could try. don't
1: pick up the newspaper or like yeah. don't it's the same thing
0: the same thing we use to like <laughs> just communicate with each other uh, on a thing that's really about that, right? Don't look at any of
2: that. Okay, I've got the per- <laughs> I've got the perfect solution. The, jur- the jurors, when they're impaneled, you can only use the Internet Wayback Machine, archive.org, from like articles from 2015 <laughs> and earlier. Problem solved. Also, my my idea uh, for all the jurors who make it the full six weeks, they should be awarded like a timeshare at the Delaware beaches <laughs> or something like free Southwest airline travel for life.
0: Velo. Like, free of hello tickets. Free
2: of should. Okay,
0: perfect. It's the Florida be once a year uh,
2: for 20 years. Cross promotion. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's like, you know, they just we don't we don't really compensate them sufficiently in any meaningful no. way. We ask them to, you know, basically take a time out from their lives. And, uh, you know, it's it is it, it it's such a meaningful part of what's required of, for the justice to be had and and we we don't make it really like you have to do it because you want you you have to to be a good juror you have to just somehow want to be a good juror because you're that kind of a person or because you get interested in the case but like we are not compensating people in any real way for the all of the sacrifices that it requires and i just I don't. I don't think that's fair, and especially in a case like this. I mean, God, the sacrifices that these people are going to have to make—just being away from your job for six weeks, even if you get compensated or even if your job continues to pay you—that's that's a huge burden on people. And then, it, it, I don't know. It's just—it's a lot.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, and it, and it's no surprise that with most of our um our our civic uh, duties, uh, we fall terribly short once again. Um, I have a question about the uh, uh, sort of uh, tangential to the case before we get to the chancery part of it. Um, I don't know how much you guys know about it, but so there was a a Venezuelan man, uh, Majid Khalid Khalil, I think his name is. He was like a business that somehow had business um, that got caught up in this sort of story with the Dominion voting machines and Hugo Chavez and like the whole QAnon part of it. And this this gentleman won did win a settlement over that I guess over that defamation. So does that I mean, for us, does that have any does is any of the uh evidence similar? Are the are, are the standards and the arguments similar from the, the two defamations, or is this something that's completely separate? I think
1: that the the there is a whole section of the of the of the Statements. Well, there's like a capital S statements. There's 20 statements or 22 statements here that are going to be at issue at, in this case. And there's a section of them that are called the Venezuela statements and uh, the Venezuela lie, actually, is what they're called. Oh and lie. Um, we yeah, a lie. we have a lie. <laughs>
0: sometimes,
1: <laughs> a lie. I mean, sometimes people lie.
2: The socialist lie.
1: <laughs> and I assume that this is the same lie. Um, although I don't personally know about that lie, I'm only making the connection because there's right. I'm making the triangle with the Venezuela bit, but it's like the fact that there was this lie about how the, it was owned by a company founded to rig elections for Hugo Chavez uh, and that was found to have no basis in fact, Um, that is one of the things that was found already as a matter of law by Judge Davis to be false. So um in that sense, it's not, like necessarily he already has determined that these statements were false. So it's sort of not necessarily it's already been disposed of as an issue, but it, I think it's yeah. So inherent to inherent in the center. assumption
0: inherent in the assumption that these capital S statements are false was how right. this, this sort of Venezuela connection won this won the settlement. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh so yeah. I do have a, one more question before we get to um the the suit and chancery court. Uh because you you mentioned it to me yesterday, and I think it's important to note, and it's just about sort of how the trial is going to run. There's a political aspect to it, but there's also a media aspect to it, because I I knew that I was going today. So I was trying to get up to speed on just some of the answer, like some of the settlements and some of the rulings on the motions and all of this. And the latest story was that Judge Davis made this ruling about uh, mentioning the January 6th. Uh, riot at the capitol right but the language that was used in the in the news reports made it sound like if you say january 6th if you allude to this incident as a riot or whatever that that's going to be sort of not allowed but that's not actually you you had some comment about that and i think it's important to to sort of explain it the way you explained it to me
1: I, I I you know the unfortunate thing is that I don't actually have a copy of the transcript from the hearing, and i i i I want one, and I don't have it yet um, but and I, so this is this is gonna be the constant problem. Well, it hopefully won't be so constant if I can you know, listen in to what's actually happening. but with some of the pretrial rulings, all we really got were like some sort of lay reporters interpretation of the rulings. And a lot of times, I mean, the fact is just that the lay reporters don't understand the nuances of what's happening when the judge is making rulings on, on issues. And so they kind of summarize them with a really broad brush and it's like, well, not quite. Now I, I read a summary that seemed more faithful to what I think Judge Davis actually said, which was, I'm not going to let you make this trial about whether the statements caused the January 6th riots. And he basically said, you know, we're not going to let this devolve into some trial about January 6th in the sense that you can't, like, turn this into, oh, my God, the statements made this happen. Right. Mm. Um that seems very different than some of the headlines I saw that were like Judge Barr's mention of January 6th riots, which like I don't think that's what he said. Now I frankly I, I can't say for sure because I have not seen the official transcript of the words that came out of his mouth, but the more nuanced take that I saw on it absolutely made it sound like he did not say what people were saying that he said. So we get a lot of games of telephone going on from some of these uh news reports. But I think what happened is that he basically said, look, I'm not gonna let you turn this into a circus about whether or not, you know, you're not gonna be able to imply that Fox made January 6th happen. Like he's not gonna allow implications like that. And so yeah, it's
0: like it's like you can't the idea that these false we're looking at these statements as to the the way they defamed dominion or exactly. the way that dominion lost uh money we're, exactly. and we can we we're, we don't have to pretend that january 6th didn't happen but it has right. no we can't you know it's not a piece of evidence you're going to keep going back to and say they also did
1: like this. what is the relevance right if it if it's yeah. somehow if if january 6th is is relevant to the statements or if it's relevant to the claims at issue here then of course it's not like you can't say the words january 6th if it's like relevant to the issues in the case, but you can't just use it as some just like ephemeral kind of concept just to slander Fox because you think it's going to help you with the jury or something, which is fair enough. I mean, it's like yeah. this is not an issue in the case, you know, however shitty it might have been the, the, that that might have sort of helped, you know, whatever been in the air or something. It's not relevant here. So I think that was what he was saying. You know, the thing about Judge Davis, I think, in general, is that he's He's incredibly careful. He, you know, you can see it in this ruling on summary judgment. He like went painstakingly through the issues. He basically took the party's briefs and he reorganized all of their issues in a way that he thought was more comprehensive and coherent. He, Which requires sort of intellectually reparsing all of the concepts, like in a way that is exhausting for a judge and his clerks to do like it's so much easier just to take the way that the parties present the issues to you and kind of be like, yes or no, I agree with this or I don't. Instead, he reframed everything under his own rubric because he wanted to be so incredibly laboriously clear about what was what and what wasn't what. And he spent just, I mean, he didn't have much time to do it, but he spent all the available time just painstakingly going through it. So, you know, I think that his, 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 Mo is to be very thorough, and um, he's not flashy, but he is very uh, like a uh, sort of I don't know. Authoritative isn't the right word. He's not. I don't think like he's not a boisterous person, but he's very. Uh, he's uh, when he says something, that's what goes. Like when he said he was mad the other day, that's like the worst thing you ever want, Judge Davis to say to you like because he does not like he seemed pretty
0: chill like that was the first time i've seen him on the bench obviously uh but like yeah he seemed he he seemed more he's pretty reserved yes he he seemed very authoritative but very chill
1: he is very chill. And that's why that's why when he when I read that he so I, I he he and I overlapped in Skadden for like I was there for two summers and he also worked there at the time. I don't oh, claim cool. to know him like personally or anything, you know, like we're not buds and I'm sure he doesn't know who I am. But uh, I do know, you know, I've anyway, Uh he's not he's very chill he's not like a, a loud person he's not like a loud personality he's just like a, 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 he's not the type of lawyer that's flashy or that's like you know so when he says he's mad out from the bench it's like quite i would yeah, Paris, yeah was this
0: was this terrified. and let's frame let's frame this a little bit is this about the uh you know he had he got a little um he he got a little cross about, uh, I guess, some of the evidence that wasn't being. Properly, it was. A, uh, presented yeah, it was to the court. It was like, was Rupert Murdoch a, a corporate agent? Whatever that you know, whatever the definition of that is, there was some yeah. question, but they they had the information on that, and just they kind of slow peddled it. Is, is this what we're yeah. talking? I know there was a couple things that yeah. came out yesterday. It's we...
1: about it's about who's a corporate officer of what com- of what of of Fox News of what Corp- entity? Or, or Fox Corp and Fox News Network, and I, I think you. you know I was looking back at the the briefing, and I actually think that it goes to. It's actually, I think, I I haven't, like I said, I'm just diving into this now, but I think that it's actually really relevant to some of the legal issues because of how, so I think it could have been really relevant to him on the summary judgment motion, which is why he was so angry about it, because um, for it to have been withheld from him or to have potentially even been misrepresented i don't know sort of you know he's obviously he doesn't know either he's having a special master uh investigate what happened and what the extent of the misrepresentation or failure to properly represent or whatever it's it's not clear there's no reason why it shouldn't have been I, I don't even understand why it wasn't like fully pressed on by Dominion. Like, I I don't even I don't I don't get what's going on. It seems like a such a simple thing that either Fox just fully obfuscated or. I, yeah, I don't know. It's like it, this is something that's so basic, right? Like, who are the officers of your company? Like, I don't know. This should not be something that the day before trial starts were like. Oh, by the way, Rupert Murdoch is an officer of the. Yeah, cue, we cue forgot. The, oh. Cue the succession
0: theme again. <sighs> right. Exactly. Um, yeah. So before before we maybe have a little freewheeling and, and talk about some stuff at the end, I do want to give a little bit of time to the Chancery Court aspect. You are you you are to the Chancery Daily, your chance of the Chancery Daily. So a, a shareholder uh, of uh, Fox News Corp, one of the entities. Uh, has brought so a, a large shareholder has brought suit uh, against Fox, uh, basically saying you know they had a duty to protect themselves, and if you're you know basically if you're making these false statements, uh, you're putting you, you know you're you're putting the, the corporation at, at in jeopardy that you shouldn't be. Um, yeah. Do you, you want to talk about that a little bit and 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 what uh, sort of uh, these cases probably run fairly close to parallel? It's just um, there's a different. Same evidence, uh, different standard.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting case because, you know, these the the type of case that this is in Chancery is actually a sort of new ish. It's kind of a novel. I mean, it's a breach of fiduciary duty case, which is old as the hills. But um this kind of claim is actually kind of a developing area of case law. There was a recent um, decision in the mcdonald's case about the sort of after the me too movement when mcdonald's uh corporation had just like like literally their like chief people officer was sexually harassing a bunch of people um like and they were having i i didn't actually hear about it i guess i was busy i don't know working or something but like they were having like walkouts in a bunch of actually at McDonald's restaurants and for like a family friendly restaurant, it wasn't great to be having sexual harassment, you know, protests and stuff at all the, the, the restaurants where the kids were like trying to play in the playgrounds and stuff. Um, so the chief people officer is out harassing the peoples and allegedly. And um, anyway, they brought a an, an basically a claim that the company failed to, you know, properly, Put in well, it's a, it's a bit complicated, but basically they failed to fulfill their fiduciary duties and and make sure that that these things didn't happen.
0: And is it is the question it, then come down to do they have to prove like some sort of reputational like this this action right you know put put money at risk you know there there's some I, I'm sure that there's a there's another great term of uh, a phrase that there was like the the uh, in the other case, but I mean that's really what we're looking at is he there has to there, obviously yeah. this, pers- this it's person really want some, some redress just because you know the stock price went down because right of this scandal or whatever you want to say well so, yeah. it's
1: a it's a really good point that you hone in on because that's it is the big question is like where is the harm to the corporation because actually i don't i don't we that's the that's the question that everyone's sort of asking in this looking at this complaint it's like well i'm not sure that there was a clear stock price the 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 harm that is alleged here is is mainly that there was reputational harm to fox <laughs> i mean one could query whether fox corp's reputation among fox corp followers was actually harmed by this um scandal because would it make the more evidence
0: sense if would would this would a would a case like this a fiduciary responsibility and chancery court case make more sense if if they lose the dominion right if they
2: if they're on the hook for like one and a half billion dollars yeah yeah
1: it will it will be the stock price probably yeah exactly exactly yeah so once if they lose the case it will bolster this case and i'm sure they just wanted to get it on file there's a case either way you know there's a case to argue either way but if they lose and they have to pay a huge settlement then the, the the case for damages will will certainly be bolstered um but there's a like I say there's there's various arguments that they'll be able to make. And this case will be going on for as long as this other case. They may even stay this case uh, pending the outcome. If this case, you know, if there's a mistrial or something, if this if this case doesn't resolve itself, if the if the main case in superior court doesn't resolve itself immediately, you know, we'll see what happens. But this fiduciary duty case will take a while to to wind its way through the court of chancery. So. Yeah, it, it it definitely will be impacted one way or the other. Um, but it doesn't necessarily need for there to be a big judgment against uh, Fox Corp. But it would certainly not hurt if they had to pay a two billion dollar, you know, damages award.
0: That would make it, it would be hard to it would be hard to ignore that kind of headline.
1: <laughs> yeah, that would be great. in the
0: that would be in the media all over I the. I mean,
1: place. you would think that that would hurt the stock price anyway. So yeah,
0: yeah. so. Folks, here is what I want to do. I'm going to, I'm going to prep, prep everybody to listen to this during the trial, and then uh, we'll have a little free. We'll have a question uh, for chance. Um, there's no way that Bill and I have it in us to drag our asses there every day for six weeks. What are we? What are we, jurors? Uh, are we getting
1: that for you? You're not
0: getting paid $7.50. Yeah, where's, our, where's our $40 a week? <laughs> Actually, speaking of that, you can hit the Patreon. Patreon.com yeah. slash the Highlands.
2: Buy paper. a Subway sub for Rob. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> Actually, I brought my own sandwich today. I ate it right in front of Lex in the, in the media room. <laughs> um, I, I think what we want to do is give a, a check-in maybe once or twice a week on the case. Um, We're probably going to do it patrons only for some of it Uh, if it catches on if we can start a rumor at the courthouse like that it's like the big thing that you're supposed to do then people start listening to it We've, we, we know how to sell this we, we've done this before
1: well the problem got settlement news of settlement news of settlement
0: yeah 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 have you got you guys hear about the settlement well Kathy B. <laughs> Kathy,
2: we were like we were the only game in town uh with this crowd there are going to be dozens of other podcasts like probably being recorded in the hallways
0: but not but not here <laughs> not here not here, yeah. not here in yeah. bunker in the shadow of getting Robert a contact Howard, high
2: et cetera yes
0: yeah. et cetera et cetera right I think I could there there are some of these weirdos that we could probably talk into coming back here. I just don't know if I want them in the house.
2: Yeah. I, I like this idea. Just maybe check in once or twice a couple times, you know, every couple, every week. Yeah. Um, I mean-
1: well, also like, you'll, you know, I'll, I'll be trying to keep an eye on the, it, it, it's going to be hard, but it, presumably either in court, I don't, I don't know how they're going to do. Like they did a really good job in the Northern district of California case of having them mic'd up when they went to do their uh, bench conferences. I, I hope that they do a good job with that here, but either when they do their bench conferences or presuming that they actually file things properly in the docket, you know, we should have a pretty good idea of what the witness lists are like on a day-to-day basis, or at least a couple days in advance. So you'll know like who's going to be going when in terms of witness order. So like, it'd be useful to know
0: big scoop out of Bloomberg two unnamed sources.
1: Mm, Murdoch
0: is up number two. So Mm, that doesn't surprise me. We can look at it. Uh, from either like Monday afternoon, Tuesday morning for root for that. Well, who's that, number one then? That mad Aussie, the, the, hmm. the Thunder from Down Under. I don't know? know. The opener is Mike
2: Lindell, just oh. <laughs> doing, doing, doing a tight a tight fifteen uh, with, <laughs> the with a pillow. Judge
0: Davis will be like, Mr.
1: <laughs> Mr. Lindell,
0: you have to put the pillow. No wait, no The
1: pillow, the pillow is up first, and then yeah. it's Rupert, and then it's Mike.
0: Yeah, you have to mr lindell you have to leave the pillow behind the bar mr lindell also why do you keep going to the bathroom and
2: coming back the bathroom coming back bath-
0: you have to come through the, you have to go through the uh the, the, yeah. the thing every time the two bales are there with the, with the metal I, I just
2: wanted to be serious for one sec though like for as much of a spectacle in a circus as this is you know chance said something a few minutes ago that like this really could revolutionize like how defamation is defined in the united states and this will be years in the future but you know new york times v sullivan is is the major case here for the mid 60s it's been i think generally perceived as press friendly and we'll see here i mean this is the kind of case that dominion could win on the merits but again be not like receive a dollar you know that nominal, nominal damages and it's just really interesting to think about uh what you know how the contours of of uh libel law are going to change so
0: and we'll, yeah, be, we'll be right the, there for it the, we'll be right there to the, tell the, you how the people yeah. were reacting to the libel law. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: awesome.
0: so last question we'll go around the room have are you familiar with Hal Weitzman's book uh, about uh, the corporate state and the Chancery Court? What's the matter with Delaware? What's the matter with Delaware? By Hal Weitzman of the University of Chicago. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. am. What What are your feelings about it? Give us your true feelings, because Hal's a, Hal's a, a friend of show, and um, I I like the guy. Um, I know a lot of people sort of in your orbit are, are probably have feelings like have if they feel a certain way about it. And uh, you don't have to speak for them, but I thought you might be one of those people.
1: Do you know the truth of the matter? I don't. I, have, I haven't read it.
0: Oh, well, that's fair. You're, <laughs> you're, so you're, you're reacting to the reaction to it, which is perfect.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I think it's probably all it's fair. I, I think that, you know, um, there are fair criticisms to make about. I mean, uh, uh, there are fair criticisms to make about, I think, all systems. And uh, I I don't think any system is perfect. However, I think that particularly when was that book written?
0: Uh, Last year? Yeah, last year.
1: Yeah, I think it was probably like written. You know, obviously, like a couple of years previous to that. And Oh, I, yeah,
0: I, it was released last year because he, right? Yeah, it was. It was written the two years prior. I think it had right. a break during COVID, and then it was released after
1: COVID. Yeah, I mean, I get. Like I say, I haven't read it, so I, you know, I, I don't, I, I, I'm, not impugning the work or anything, but, uh, I, I assume if I, if I get the vibe of it from the way that other people that I know have re- reacted to it, that. That it's probably responding to arguments that that I think are more appropriately directed to the court as it was maybe five years ago, maybe seven to ten years ago. Like really, that and and that those problems were were more real then, and that I think that the court and that the state has made progress on a lot of those areas. Now I don't think any of it's perfect. I think a lot of things. Still need to change significantly, and I think that you know, I mean, yeah, and to see. the extent that I understand what what it's about, I think that shedding light on things is always important, and that people should do more of it, and that's part of what our mission is is always to you know, bring transparency to the process and uh, help people understand what's going on. And in, in in Delaware, if anything, is a state that is. Uh, Likes to do things in in behind closed doors. Yeah, the and, opposite of transparent. Yeah, and I yeah. think <laughs> what, that's, what, that's, what is uh, the opposite of transparent? Uh, yeah,
0: like, I, and I, I think, uh, yeah, um, I I think you know. To be fair, the the institution of the Chancery Court, I don't think. I mean, there was some mild criticism of it in Howe's book. I think the real the thing that got the big guns was the corporate side of it and there i think the argument at least the big argument for me was the absolute not only lack of transparency but lack of any potential democratic oversight because the lawyers get together to decide what the law should be and then they tell the they and then they tell the general assembly to do it like that but like who's that for if they decide what the law is they decide these intricate remember i had this big argument with uh with our boy Razzle Dazzle, remember when mm-hmm. we were in Dover? Right, right, He was a big supporter of it. Uh, Steve Wood. Well, yeah, you know, he was sort to of say the but corporate like, bar. Well, these are these these are the experts. Right. Yeah, but there's no. You cannot have this. Is a you know he he's supposed to like the founding fathers. It's like what the fuck are you talking about, buddy? We can't have this.
1: And so I, I know I the, problem, the problem. The problem is that it's problem. like it's it's so effective. <laughs> well, of course, I, I, know, I totally mean. I totally hear you. It's I totally yeah. hear you. It's it's like it's like democracy is messy and it's it's so ineffective but also like you know yes it, you, you there's there's no arguing against the fact that it's it's problematic and and what i think at a minimum the minimal next step which which is our sort of mission is to at least like i, I believe everything has to happen in the real world in actual s- small steps i don't think that i don't think anything happens in like Uh, I I don't, I don't think that really things get that frequently blown wide open. Like, I mean, maybe you can have like Viva La Revolution, whatever, but like, I think that in the real world, things have to happen fairly slowly to actually make progress. And the way that we see that progress being made is that we at least get more, Attorneys involved. We at least get more people involved. We at least get more humans involved. We get more non attorneys involved. We get more people interested in the Chancery Court. We get people more uh, cognizant of what goes on at the corporate law level. We get more people interested in why corporate law should matter to them. We get people more aware of why corporate law is relevant to their lives. Like we just bring awareness to the whole process. And then that's going to generate a whole world of like people going, huh, maybe I should. Give a shit about this. Maybe I should get interested in it. Maybe I should wonder, how does this process work? And that's going to generate a whole conversation of its own that will then put pressure on various contingencies to maybe not, you know, be so uh, cloak and daggery.
0: Yeah. And I can tell you, because Hal told us, told it to us when we interviewed him for the first time, the whole point of the book was uh, exactly what you're saying. Like, we need to have these conversations and decide sort of how to make these a little bit better because they're not, like, who's it all for? Like, where's the money going and why and all of this? Make it more transparent. And, yeah, I mean, he was working with, like, people at the state level in New York because, obviously, New York is also a huge corporate state. It just doesn't – it's just that the ratio is so much different from, like, the size and, and their their revenue. Um <clears throat> But, yeah, I think that that's the idea is that we have to start talking about them. And these are sort of the ways that if you think this way, you can frame them. These are where the criticisms are. These are some of the solutions, stuff like that. No, I think it's like that. Although, you know, if we want to do armed revolution, we, you know, we can probably organize for that. But I think for now, I think for now, <laughs> I think for now, we'll, I think for now we'll, we'll, we'll stick with Hal Weitzman's ideas. Chase, thank you so much uh, for doing this. And, again, we'll be in touch through this whole mess so that somebody basically as bill said can can just check us and make sure we're not awesome. disseminating bad information
1: cool great to meet you guys and talk
2: yeah super follow See you on
1: best twitter best at
2: chancery underscore
1: to... daily chancery underscore daily yes chancery sir.
0: underscore daily
2: and you've got a sub stack as well and subscriptions for the pub the chancery publication itself right
1: yes sir uh you can find all that on my twitter account
0: and we will link it all up here folks thanks for listening we'll be back with you left is best